Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we listen to Darren talk about his ARC experience and some of the pitfalls of early access titles. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. Hey, Dennis. I've been playing a lot of Seven Days to Die, as you know. And have found it a nice break from my usual first-person shooter Battlefield land. Are you still doing Battlefield 1 or is it 4 still? Um, mostly Battlefield 1. I've been trying to get to a point where I feel competitive on that. It's it's still going. And they've put out now the new content. So there's new content in Battlefield 1. Ooh, okay. The French have arrived, Dennis. Really? Yeah, and it's introduced a couple of things. And this is maybe a fun thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. The French forces have unlockables that are different. So for this to make sense, you have to remember that in Battlefield 1, when you level up, you get war bonds, which is a nice way of saying that they give you currency. Money. And you use this in-game currency, the war bonds, to purchase and unlock weapons. Uh And then as the game progresses, you can also get awarded uh, boxes, if you will. And if you choose to open these boxes, you get weapons skins, which is their customization. Oh, cool. So one of the things that Battlefield 1 does well is it's pretty easy for you to pick and choose what weapons that you want to unlock. But once you've unlocked them, you're kind of stuck. So you have to, I don't know, kind of see what everybody else is using or go out and research it. And long story short, you can't really unlock everything. At least I can't, and I'm at level 90. So that just tells you that there's a there's a little bit of specialization there that, that you have to work on. But... The French have changed that. Not only has the French created some new game modes and new maps, but they have released some new weapons, and these weapons require you to use other weapons in the game to hit milestones. For example, 25 kills with a specific rifle. Or, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't say the guns are necessarily overpowered per se, but they are definitely driving you towards unlocking these things in a different way. Hmm. Now, that's kind of cool and kind of frustrating at the same time, but it's kept me interested in the game and trying some weapons that I wouldn't normally try. And a great example of that is the 12-gauge with the slug shotgun uh, for the assault. Really not my favorite thing. (laughs) So I had to spend an evening trying to shoot people with the stupid slug. (laughs) The damn slug. Yeah, and it does amazing damage if you can get it to work. Mm-hmm. while you're getting chewed up by everything else. Yeah, there was a, a video that came out um, on Reddit that was talking about the World War II version of Battlefield that they're working on and how, um, you know, you can unlock special skins. So they had like a a guy run around in a clown suit, yeah. <laughs> which is totally not World War II specific at all. Oh, that sounds more Call of Duty-esque. Yeah, and it kind of got me thinking, you know, when you're talking about war bonds, well, you'll probably have war bonds in the World War II one. yeah. And it would be interesting if Steve Rogers was actually selling those war bonds for you. <laughs> and then we had like this Captain America arc inside Battlefield 2. And yeah, it would be pretty cool. Well, you remember way back in the days of Battlefield 2, they had the super soldiers and the secret weapons of the Luftwaffe, mm-hmm. and they kind of put out some kind of cool stuff. It wasn't real popular, no. but you could get jetpacks and stuff. And uh, they do have some new elite type skills and i get that there's a lot of balancing involved so i'm just happy to have new game modes and new maps to play on yeah well but, speaking of maps and balance you were playing a game i saw you pop up on steam it was um arc yeah in fact i kind of started to lead with this because 
I've been playing Seven Days to Die a lot, and I like Seven Days to Die because it is a pretty good solo game experience. And it's also a lot of fun to play co-op if you have a group of folks that want to go out and do the sort of survival thing together. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks had recommended other games in that mode because Seven Days to Die isn't exactly a AAA graphics workhorse. No, no, it's more like a, what, Half-Life? Yeah, sort of Half-Life-y, sort of Minecraft-y. So anyway, a couple of the games that come up regularly were uh, Rust, which is out there in pre-release, and ARK, A-R-K, which is out there in pre-release also. So I had kind of marked both of those as games I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And then something happened, Dennis. My son (laughs) bought ARK. He bought ARK. That was a... Probably an accident. Well, not so much so. I I don't know that he knew what he was getting into. But so what makes Ark stand out is Ark is all about the dinosaurs. Yeah, dinos. And my kid is the target age for dinosaurs. So I'm sure he watched some video on YouTube from one of his favorite YouTubers where they were talking about this game where you can tame and ride dinosaurs, which is true. That's cool. Kind of neat. So I had to go out and try to figure out how to play this with him. So long story short, it went on sale for I think 26, 29 range. And that was good enough to try it. So I bought it mm-hmm. and it sat while I played other games until just this last week when I had a group get together and we were going to play seven days to die, but they are getting ready to release a patch that will make you start over uh, Not much motivation in playing a game when you know that it's going to erase your progress. So we were like, well, what else can we play? So I mentioned Ark and got a couple other guys involved. So we went out and gave it a shot. So, okay. so, so what, what makes Ark kind of interesting is it is sort of the same kind of game as Seven Days to Die where you wake up sort of naked and afraid on this island. And the island has dinosaurs and you need to use your crafting skills to kind of build yourself a base and survive in this land of dinosaurs. Now it's a little more aggressive, at least in my opinion, than seven days to die because it really stresses the early hunter gathering mode. So there's an awful lot of trying to find and eat berries to stay alive. And I've now played the game for a pretty extensive amount of time, a good long five, six hour session, uh, multiplayer and a session that's about that same length solo because I really kind of wanted to see if it would scratch the same itch that I get from Seven Days to Die solo. Okay. So multiplayer, we got a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. And how the game works, Dennis, is you earn experience. And I, I got to be honest, it doesn't seem real obvious because sometimes I seem to get a level of experience when I'm in the middle of something pretty mundane. So that's not a bad thing. That means that I can go gather berries and punch trees and and I will still eventually level up. But what it does is it unlocks these, I think they're called edicts, but they're essentially memory modules where you are provided with the ability to unlock memory, which will allow you to construct a campfire, for example. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. in um, Deus Ex, one of the games I really like to play, it has Praxis Packs that unlock abilities within your character so you can do different things. So yes, kind yes. of fall in the same Exactly. So you're going to get so many points, and then each of these packs has a different unlock value, and some of them have prerequisites, level-wise or others. And one of the things that makes it a little bit frustrating for me is, you know, as a new player and one that doesn't like to go out and spoil stuff, mm-hmm. um, if you get too ahead of the levels that you have unlocked, it doesn't tell you what the skills are. 
So you just see question marks. Oh. So I don't really know what I'm planning for aside from, you know, three or three levels ahead of where I am, which is kind of frustrating. So is like one of the unlocks had to start a fire or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So you still have to gather the resources, start the fire, and then just like any good survival game, you got to put, you know, wood into it, and then you can put raw meat into it, and over time it will give you cooked meat, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, all that probably sounds pretty familiar, and you need to build shelter. But where it's hyper-aggressive is the survival stuff. Like you don't have any clothing, mm-hmm. so you have to learn how to make clothing. And... It has a day-night cycle where you basically spend a lot of time freezing. and That's so fun. And if you get wet, that makes it worse. If you don't have shelter, that makes it worse. If you're not near a fire, that makes it worse. And all of these environmental effects, maybe, if we put them in a shell together, affect how quickly you go through your resources, your food, for example, your water, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So in the group environment, when I was playing with a couple of the guys, it wasn't so bad because as we progressed, we kind of debated what we wanted to do. And one of my buddies went off and and was going to be the hunter. And one was kind of the crafter. And I settled into the gatherer farmer routine. So I was kind of having fun with trying to figure out how to grow things and, and how to harvest things. But I didn't spend really any points at all in the combat skills. Okay. So uh, that's kind of cool. And it works out. But where the game is a lot different than Seven Days to Die is, like, all of the dinosaurs are there. And so you kind of have to figure out fairly early on which ones to avoid. And they have really, at least from a new player, unpredictable how far they can see, hear, smell, whatever. Oh, so they have, like, an aggro circle. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's different according to each dinosaur, which really kind of makes sense, but it's extremely frustrating when you are naked and afraid trying to gather your berries and you come across a pack of raptors, for example. Yeah. The, as we know from um, Jurassic Park, <laughs> raptors are not nice. So picture, if you will, Dennis, I'm in the game and I'm hunting and gathering and trying to build food and, and try to get the food economy going so my buddies can build shelter and go hunt and tame some dinosaurs. And I can't really do anything useful except for not die. <laughs> so, and, and so by not dying, it's like, okay, I'm looking for berries, looking for berries. Oh, I found a stick. No, looking yeah. for berries, looking for berries, and chomp. Kind of. And the game allows you to sort of deforest your area. So as you're breaking rocks and harvesting stuff, you're kind of, I don't know, strip mining all the resources. So you have to get further and further away from camp, which is kind of realistic. And eventually mm-hmm. that stuff starts to come back. So here I am doing my thing, and because I'm weak, Dennis, one of the weakest creatures in there is the dodo bird. Yeah. So in an effort to try to figure out how the taming works, I am now knocking out and taming dodo birds. That's right. I am the dodo king. The dodo king. So ooh, the reason for that is kind of twofold. One, because I just wanted to have creatures that were my pets, mm-hmm. and I couldn't go out and tame these big creatures. So I've got to pack a little dodos. And the other thing is, is once you get kind of to the meat economy, you've got all these berries, and they spoil. And we're talking like 12 minutes in game times kind of thing. Ouch. So what you do is you store them on your animals, and they eat them. And as long as they have food, they're still your pets. So I've got this five or six dodos loaded up with freaking berries and I'm kind of having fun as they follow me around while I harvest and they work as sort of an early warning system because if something comes nearby they go try to attack it and they like a good dodo bird die (laughs) (laughs) but you get a chance to run away hopefully right 
So anyway, here we are doing our thing, and I've got maybe 10 or so levels involved, and I wandered a little too far from home and got discovered by the raptors. Damn raptors. So I'm hollering for help and trying to run, which is the same effect as sort of aggro in a mob in any game that you've ever played, Mm -hmm. and they kill me. Yep. So how the game works with respawn is kind of interesting. You can set down a a respawn point in the form of a sleeping bag. It's a one-time use. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or you can tell it, spawn me in this area, and it has a list of general areas. Mm. Okay. So if you respawn in the same area as your buddies, you're usually pretty close to them. Mm-hmm. So I did this a couple times and proceeded to run down the beach to try to reclaim my backpack full of gear. Whoop, raptor attack. Wah! Right? So raptors are spawn camping. Oh, my gosh. It was so terrible. And... They're aggro in the whole area, and they're sitting on top of my pack like it was planned. Damn raptors, <laughs> right? And it's not the one you see. We've all seen the movie, right? So you're trying to avoid one, and you come around rock, and there's a couple more, mm-hmm. and they are on you. Oh, my gosh. It's so fast, which I'm sure is very realistic, but not fun when all I want is my stupid pack full of resources back. So after a couple of respawns, out of the blue, Dennis, <laughs> early access game, of course, yeah. it spawns me in a different spot. And if you have your friends on your friends list, it will tell you how far away they are. And I went from being, you know, 300 to 150 meter-esque range away from my home camp to 3,800 meters. That's like three kilometers. So you have kind of a rudimentary map in the game. So if you can picture the map as being square and we're in the center of the right beach, I'm now at the center bottom beach. Uh Uh-oh. Not one to be that guy. Hmm. I'm like, I can get back to him. Oh, yeah, of course. All no. you have to do is run. No, you can't. So you ran into a T-Rex or something? Oh, my gosh. These creatures are crazy. They have titan snakes. They have little copies that will attack you. You're trying to quick gather enough crap to get a torch or a spear or something, and you're running down the beach, and you know that you've got to get back there because I don't have the ability to make my own clothes because I've been focused on other things. Yep. I don't have any advanced weaponry because my buddy's making that and putting it in boxes for me. So you become so dependent on the rest of your party yeah. that you're just trying to avoid all combat. And Dennis, you know what I discovered? You can respawn somewhere else. <laughs> and then it was respawning me in the wrong place, ultimately. Yeah. But what I discovered first is dinosaurs can swim. Oh. That's right. There's yeah. no escape in the water. <laughs> and the dinosaurs are very patient. They will wait for you to come back over and over and over again. So that's my multiplayer experience. Had a pretty good time. Eventually figured out I was respawning in the wrong place mm-hmm. and determined, yeah, this is pretty fun. And, you know, kind of went out and saw that there are tick trees and stuff. So a couple of days later, I said, well, let me try to figure out how to play solo. Solo. Well, yeah, solo plays the the type of games that I prefer, mostly because the you know, if I try to play online with you, it's at a time when we're never at the computer sometimes. So. so I'm trying to kind of Robinson Crusoe my own game. I don't want to be really specialized at anything now. So mm-hmm. I'm making just, you know, like a hat and shirt and pants and ignoring the rest of my clothes so that I can build basic shelter and some basic combat equipment. And I get myself up about the same level. I'm starting to run out of resources in my immediate area. So visualize, if you will, my little thatch, you know, two square cabin with a sleeping bag in it. Mm-hmm. And I've got two boxes and I've got a campfire and I'm slowly trying to get enough resources that I can build a little bit more of a shelter. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing on the beach and I'm so happy. <laughs> so I'm 
going further and further away. And what Ark does that's a little different, a lot different actually than the other survival games I've done, is they have, I think they call them Ark events. So they have these like columns of light, Dennis, and they're basically equipment drops, like Seven Days to Die has the plane drops, you know, the box, and and we've seen that in other games like uh, oh, Dying Light, that was Dying Light had yeah. the had the boxes, so you have to try to get to them. Mm-hmm. But at night in Ark, you can see these big columns of light. So one appears close. Okay. So I'm like, I can get to that thing. So I go and I head down there, and it's dark because they're really easy to spot at night. Mm-hmm. And I come around the corner, and I see a couple of brontosauruses having a fight with uh, what looks like a T-Rex. And I'm like, sweet, let them have at it. I'll just kind of go around them, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, two brontosauruses, they ought to be able to handle it. And if they don't, they'll at least keep them distracted long enough for me to get to this thing. Yeah. So I get over to the column, and I find you know some pretty cool stuff in it, because it gives you kind of random equipment that's about... Uh, you know, the equivalent of where you're at as far as level spots. So I'm getting parts and boxes and, and equipment that I can't make yet. I'm super excited. And it's all good to go. Mm-hmm. But somehow, on the way back around the Brontosaurus fight, I aggroed what turned out to be a Carnosaur. Oh, well, and I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds it, bad. It, it looks like a crazy T-Rex, but it's a little smaller and maybe a hell of a lot faster. I don't know. So I run <laughs> and die. And die. And respawn and go up the beach. And damn it if that little carnosaur wasn't camping my pack. Spawn camper. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll spend a little time and I'll build up some spears and I'll go and, and try to spear it. And what I've discovered, early access, is the carnosaur can climb rocks. It can climb trees. It can swim. It <laughs> runs faster than me. It's angrier than I am. And it sees me before I see it. Well, that's no fun. So two or three attempts to get back my pack really only resulted in the carnosaur getting closer and closer and closer to my base camp mm-hmm. until the point where just spawning at my base camp aggroed it enough that it came over and started attacking my stuff. So the, okay, that was one of my questions here. Uh, your base camp, you said it was a little thatch hut. Yes. What kind of security do you have in that aside from maybe keeping the rain off your head? Nothing. So T-Rex so, can come by and stomp on the Heck house. yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, the dinosaurs don't really care about your stuff mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Unless you think that maybe you can hide in your thatch hut. <laughs> that <Yeah>. doesn't work. <laughs> How do I know that? <sighs> Let's just say, uh, yeah, it yeah. didn't work out. So the game really wants you to tame dinosaurs and have them be like guard dogs. Or oh. you could build more advanced structures like spike barriers and stuff. Mm. that will slow them down long enough for you to kill them. But what I didn't maybe make clear is how you tame the pets is you have to knock their hit points down enough that you can club them unconscious. It sounds like Pokemon. Kind of. So <laughs> I, of course, am not focused on any combat skills, so I'm trying to go find, now running the other direction away from the Carnosaur, creatures that are big enough, like the duck bills, for example, okay. Somebody's going to tell me the name of the dinosaur, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And I find one that's like level six, and I will attack it, and I get it down a little bit, and then it runs. And like all the dinosaurs, it's faster than me, so it runs away, taking my spears with it. So I gather some more spears. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know what, I'll aggro something small and have it come over, and it'll fight the carnosaur, and then I'll just kind of pick off the weak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that didn't happen either. So anyway... Long story short, after about an hour 
of trying to reclaim my camp from this level two Carnosaur. I was so fed up, I nearly launched my headset, had to turn it off and walk away. Uh, that's not a very good <sighs> recommend. So my grand scheme of things is, yeah, Arc is really cool and it's really pity, but I'm not convinced that it's solo play friendly. And if it is, there is enough randomness in the monsters roaming and spawning that I'm just not convinced that at a low level you can survive any carnivorous dinosaur that roams through your neighborhood. Yeah. That kind of makes a lot of parallels, though, with some of the multiplayer games that we've seen. Uh, The one that comes to mind, though, is Titanfall. Yeah. And I think we talked about this in a previous podcast where we played Titanfall and we missed it. We missed the launch by like five hours. And I was already dumping into games that had level 24 people. Right. And made me completely un... You know, I was not competitive at all. (laughs) Basically, you go around the corner, splat, time. Um, And that was all because they were able to unlock more advanced weapons that could hit you from across the map. They could drop their Titans down faster, and they had the experience to be able to run around and take advantage of the maps, just, you know, level 24. That's what you get for that. And it makes it so that there's a huge, huge learning curve to actually learn how to play the game. And at such point, you become frustrated and not play it. That totally turned me off on even buying Titanfall, even though I wanted it. And I totally ignored Titanfall 2 because of it. If the dynamic in ARC kind of continues to where it has this huge learning curve, say, for instance, you make it past to the point where you can have your spike barriers and you're starting to build stone huts that might give you a little bit more security and whatnot. And maybe you've tamed a couple of dinosaurs. What happens after that? Do they start spawning more advanced dinosaurs that are going to come after you or it's like is it going to be this huge learning curve and then this huge plateau of nothing and then it becomes an, a game that you don't want to have any replay about the replay ability in well arc hints that there's a an overarching huh, see what i did there yeah. overarching storyline where you're trapped on this level this island and you need to advance and i'm aware you know, I try not to read too much about games when I'm I'm trying to experience them initially, but I'm aware that you can get into tech and stuff, and and that there are cave areas and underwater areas, and I mean, all that kind of stuff that you find really cool in these exploration games. Mm-hmm. But it really feels like you need, you know, maybe even three is not enough people. I'd say five or six people in your crew to really move through this fast enough to make a difference. I mean, it's dramatic just the amount of difference having just three of us playing together made, you know, as far as specialization and unlocking stuff. I mean, I'm building farms and irrigation for heaven's sakes yeah. and they're taming dinosaurs like it's going out of style because you don't have to focus on all aspects, mm-hmm. but it just makes the single player experience so dang slow that, I mean, I get that eventually you're going to figure out why you're on the arc and there'll be crazy alien tech and maybe I'll be riding brontosauruses and T-Rexes with laser weapons at some point, which sounds amazing. Yeah. It really does. And I've seen the pictures and I, I, I get that super cool. And there is honestly something neat about riding a dinosaur into combat that I really crave. I want that experience. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I don't always have a big group of people to play. Nope. And uh, games like Borderlands, for instance, which we have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with, that game would scale based off of how many people you had playing. Like if you were filled out with four players doing co-op, the 
the uh, everybody, you know, the bandits and stuff, they would always have more hit points. The bosses would have more hit points. They would spawn more, you know, uh, spawn more of everything. So that made the game more difficult, which it should be more difficult when you had more players. But if you walked into it solo, it made it easier to, to progress. So it made the game fun if you were playing with a group or playing by yourself. So it, it seems that some of these survival games are missing that aspect of it where they're really forcing you to do multi more than one person to play the game. You know, you mentioned with seven days to die that it made the game fun when you had four people. But when you first started playing, you were playing with some pretty high level experienced players. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they kind of helped you along and made the, the game more enjoyable. Whereas with uh, Ark, I'm not really seeing it. Well, that's the thing that I liked about seven days to die as a solo experience. If you died, you could spawn back in the same location or you could spawn away from it. And, I mean, as silly as this sounds, worst case, you're just going to die, respawn further away, die, respawn further away until you're out of the aggro zone, and then you just kind of avoid the enemies until daylight comes. Yeah, you just build another hut, and then you can move in between the two, right? Uh, yeah, and, you're gonna, and you'll be okay, but you're also going to find shelter. I mean, one of the biggest advantages of Seven Days to Die is you go find shelter, and you can you can hide out in a house or on the roof or, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And you can use the buildings and walls and stuff to kind of avoid the enemies. And I get that at night that that's not as big a deal. But one of the things that it teaches you very quickly is, well, if you're not very strong, you're kind of squishy, then you go find a good place to hide out the night. Mm-hmm. And you're going to spend in-game, what, 10 minutes maybe camping there you know, hopefully crafting or doing something useful at the time. But even if you throw all that time away, the odds are pretty good you're going to survive the night. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have a shelter like Ark starts you out with and you have to expend your time, your resources, your experience to unlock these simple structures, you don't have a sanctuary. I mean, you you really are at the mercy of the game's ecology, if you will. Yeah, and your ability to not aggro things. Yeah. Which you can't do that if you're stuck in one area where you have a hut and you have your little hunter gatherer area. Eventually, you're going to get dinosaurs and stuff walking in, and then you can't avoid them until you spawn somewhere else because the game says, "Oh, well, he's too close to this." Oh, person. that army of dodo birds is not going to protect you forever, Dennis. Nope. And that's the thing that that made the game so frustrating. And I get that. I can feel it right now. Somebody out there is going, "Well, that's just because you didn't unlock X, which would have been, you know." the counter to Carnosaur kicking my ass, you know, uh, you know, and I get that because I've seen some of the higher end technologies, the, the bow and arrows and the bolos and stuff. And I get that there are combinations of that, mm-hmm. but I also get that there wasn't at the level where I was encountering this monster, which felt like an instant kill. I mean, seven spears didn't take him down, you know, mm-hmm. that I can't, advance fast enough to take this guy and i just didn't see an obvious okay build some barriers and hide or or you know you don't have the ability to build trenches and put spikes in them the sort of stuff that seven days to die makes relatively predictable and easy right you know you don't have that so will i play it again yeah but will i be excited about playing it solo no i really won't be (laughs) and some part of the competitive gamer in me really wants to you know go out and read the quick start guides and mm-hmm. where on the map should I really have started instead of just a random place. Yeah. You know, Which, and, uh, the way I see it, you shouldn't have to do that. The game mm-hmm. should give you enough information to figure that out on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a, like a secret unlock on a map that you 
want to find and somebody and you can't find it, you know, somebody else found it, then I can see that as like sharing and whatnot. But if they have to give you your skill tree so that you can survive three weeks with the brontosaurus coming down on you, then that's not necessarily good game design. Well, that was kind of the thing too, because I'm probably five hours, six hours into the game and I can't defend myself, clothe myself, feed myself and build shelter mm-hmm. at the same time. I can't do it. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm doing none of it well and I'm running out of resources. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, this is an early access game, correct? That's correct. And there is already an add-on pack for it, which I did not purchase because it just doesn't make sense to me that I would buy an early access game and then buy an expansion pack. Yeah, it just seems like they're hunting for money at that point. Yeah, and it is already kind of enjoying a robust mod society out there. I've already seen alternative starting maps and oh, that's... some other total conversions. So it's got a lot of potential, and it is, Dennis, it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is so gorgeous, especially in comparison to Seven Days to Die. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You know, but sometimes the gameplay is more important to me. So would I encourage you to check it out? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I'd encourage you to watch videos. And, watch videos of other people getting frustrated playing ARC and uh, wait for the final release at what point it might be better. Yeah, and it'll probably cost more, but it'll be more balanced. But there is one huge caveat to that. If you have a crew mm-hmm. and you think it sounds kind of cool fighting, riding dinosaurs, then I'd encourage it. And all this doesn't even take into account the huge focus on the servers being PvP, PvE. So, really? Yeah. That's how they have those set up, so you can't do, well. So you can spawn your own map, but the maps that are out there are up to 64 players, and you're kind of at the mercy of whoever else is on the map. So they're trying to kind of do that, you know, that like a mud. <laughs> H1Z1 mud sort of aspect where, you know, yeah, and that's cool too because maybe you find a really good group of folks out there and you kind of do your thing. Yeah. But as a solo player, am I going to go venture onto anything that has 64 players? No, it's just not going to happen. So I can't recommend it as a single player experience and I would kind of give it a tentative wait and see as a multiplayer experience. In the meantime, check out Seven Days to Die or come play some Battlefield 1 with me. We'll see you out there. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2017. Thanks for listening.